Welcome to yet another episode of Shortcast over Coffee. This is part 2 of my conversation with Dr. Nandita Ayer. For continuity, please do check out part 1 before moving on to part 2. In this part, Nandita and I talk about her food and music journey, especially her recent passion, Hindustani classical music. Let's get into the conversation. So you started cooking and you you started to develop a taste for cooking. When did you st- when did you get into this scientific approach or something that has to do with nutrition uh, did your background as a medical help okay so even today after like two decades of cooking i don't i wouldn't say that i'm scientific in my cooking because i don't really uh, think that you know i don't go beyond like it's not the chemistry of cooking because i'm very intuitive uh when it comes to what i'm putting together and i'm more driven by flavors than the science of it but the science is always there it's like you know i don't even measure water when i keep rice not even with my fingers i just eyeball the water and i think that's some kind of a uh intuition that your hands have just developed over the years that you know that you pour then you stop and then you know that's just enough it's like how you season the salt and all nobody measures salt and milligrams and uh, you know uh, or teaspoons especially in indian cooking we just add the salt then we taste in the end and then you know sometimes different dishes absorb different levels of salt so sometimes that same quantity of salt for one dish may not be right for the other dish and the same you may add to like a curd rice and it may become over salty because there are no other spices to balance that out so i think uh, what we ultimately uh, take for intuition there's also a lot of years of practice involved in that i think it's also a bit like music where someone can impromptu sing a rag you know ala par avistar for half an hour and someone may say yeah that's just coming automatically but to sing that half an hour of thing you need to have 10 years of training uh, that's when it comes to the level where it's intuitive it's like also like driving right you don't really think oh now i'm going to apply the brakes now i'm going to accelerate it, you're just doing things at a very spinal level so i think uh, after years and years of cooking that's i mean i also started off as a very intuitive cook but after so many years of cooking i think it just you just keep adding things the way it but of course when i'm writing a recipe on my blog or for my book or for my column i always have to weigh out the things and measure it out because if i'm adjusting something and then i need to record that uh, when i'm writing a recipe and that's the only time i sit with the weighing scales and i weigh everything that i'm putting in the nutrition angle of course again that's innate and that comes to me automatically like i always make sure that any plate i make or like a dish uh, if there's three things for lunch i make sure that it's not carb on carb on carb there has to be some protein and you know limited use of a good fat so that also comes naturally and also suppose i'm planning a weekly menu plan uh, you know i always take an overall look of the week that you know different vegetables have been included there's enough dietary fiber there is enough protein and i'm not really sitting through it and thinking through everything but just one glance and you know that things are right you know like it's just that suppose you know there's like a set producer they just see and they know that hey you know that continuity has been maintained there are no if it's a period film there is no coke bottles lying around and all it's like basic hygiene checks and i think 
years of doing something it makes it very automatic for you to uh see that the only time i you know research more into like the very basics of the science of things is like when i'm making an instagram reel or i want to explain something down uh you know like the explain it like i'm five kind of basic thing and that's when i try to break it down that you know uh, what oil to use or what uh, at what temperature should you be heating this oil those kind of little little things which you already know but sometimes you don't really uh, know the very correct reasoning for it and that's always good to keep reading and updating because that's there's no end to learning that so that's happening parallelly but when i'm cooking i'm just very intuitive and uh, but the science is always there it's there in the background and it's been learned over the years so it's it's just there but many times you don't really think about why you're doing things a certain way yeah so when you come up with a recipe um, that you plan to put in your book uh, do you test it a lot of times and how do you think that this is perfection how do you yeah see there is no such thing as perfection everything can be very subjective that. right and it also depends on the time you can afford to you know spend on perfecting something so when you have a book with 80 100 recipes there's only so much you can keep trying uh so see especially if it's a health or nutrition centric book like my first book everyday healthy vegetarian or my second book uh, everyday superfoods they were very very focused on healthy cooking and healthy ingredients so say in my first book my recipes were divided as you know uh, high protein recipes um, you know uh, whole like whole grains and good carbs kind of recipes healthy fat recipes so in that the first step was to shortlist the ingredients that i'm going to use so if i'm looking at say if i'm looking at diabetic friendly recipes then i have to list down all the low carb vegetables i can't possibly put high carb recipes in yeah that yeah that's precisely the reason why i was asking is that you know you come up with uh, recipes using non indian sort of so called non indian uh, produce and um, sort of venturing into like uncharted territories right so you don't really know what will come out of it no i because i live in india i'm always cooking with indian stuff but i may not cook an indian recipe with the indian produce it's the reverse actually ah okay so, <laughs> so if i'm using like a white pumpkin i may not necessarily just make a sambar with it you know like the ash gourd or something like that so i feel first the first step is always shortlisting what ingredients you want to use similarly for my latest uh, book the great indian thali which was focusing on vegetarian recipes but with a seasonal angle from around the country i had to first list down what are the different ingredients in season in every season like summer spring monsoon and winter what are the seasonal ingredients in the different parts of india so that was my starting point and only then i can come up and then i can research as to okay what was this ingredient used to make and in that i was not coming up with any recipes of my own because i was just showcasing the indian seasonal recipes so i think um, there's always a starting point and then you build on that when you're writing for a book so even for my mint lounge column which has been now on for 5 years i think this august uh, the important thing is to find out what's in season 
isn't right now because there's no point if i'm writing in august i'm writing about red carrots which will be available in season only in december january so how will people even relate to it or try out the recipes even though online everything stays forever but if it's coming out in a newspaper or a, a weekly publication then it has to be relevant to the current times so i think doing that research first is very important and then of course making sure that uh, making sure that oh, you know what you're giving out because my usp is of course healthy recipes so you know i try to uh, make sure that it is ticking all the right boxes in terms of being high in fiber you know using just the right quantity of fat and not like overly floating in oil uh, and different ways to eat it so also keeping the practical aspect of things and not just creating something fancy and people don't know how to use it in their daily uh, you know diet so i'm looking at the practical angle i'm looking at the nutrition angle and the creative angle when i'm creating a recipe and when you shop for produce do you th- uh, i mean you were you were mentioning about the fact that your uh, in your early childhood there were people coming into the society or at, to to, to yeah. the apartment that kind of a culture is sort of dying down and we are banking on you know things like big basket or zomato or other delivery platforms yeah. have we have we killed the local produce and you know going more into supermarkets and, and then coming back to farmers markets you know uh, yeah. what are your thoughts on that i think someone like me who's heavily into cooking and food i think we use everything that's available i use the instant most delivery also for my last thing that i'm missing something and i have to use that i use uh, something that takes a few days to deliver which is something more niche products which take that much time to deliver i use my next door there are a bunch of vegetable vendors near our gate so i use those vendors and uh, i also like going to farmers market so i think uh, it's also depending on what uh, what you get to choose from each of these places and no i don't think see the app using uh, the people who are shopping for veggies on their app are still not that that many that we have done away with the veggie vendors on the street because i go there and i see they are also having good enough crowds so uh, it's how they cater to what and in fact the app based things are always cheaper than that local veggie vendor uh, but also there are so many people who are not using smartphones and apps on their phone and they prefer to just go there and buy a small quantity right so like for the day they end up buying what they need so i think uh, there's nothing like that there's a space for everybody and uh, there is no denying the insane convenience that uh, you know this 15 minute delivery from all these different delivery platforms it offers you especially if you're in that catchment area uh, i remember you know posting about this uh, uh, or commenting about this observation on instagram where uh, people in the us they have pantries as big as their kitchens and they stock up like an apocalypse is coming right like hundreds of dabbas of yogurt and so many like juice boxes and this and that and that and this and i just made a joke saying like why what are they stocking up for like this so people said they don't have swiggy and stuff but deliveries are expensive supermarkets are not so close by so they have to drive especially if you're not like bang in the middle of a city center or something you have to drive quite a bit to reach a supermarket and uh, you get a good discount when you buy it in bulk so these are the reasons why 
people do this right like yeah costco. i mean i think there are these uh, membership stores like sort of warehouse stores like costco and uh, sam's club yeah which cater to uh, i would say a family of four so if yeah. you have a family of four it's probably okay but then uh, they sell you these memberships and when you go into the store uh, they don't have small packets so you eventually buy <laughs> you know Ten big box yeah. and all that yeah big big packets of cheese and uh, a lot of the times i mean i i have been um, uh, i have done that myself where something no doubt yeah yeah exactly it's it's cheap but then you know you waste a lot of stuff and it's 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 not the best thing to do ultimately if you do the accounting i think given how much you end up wasting if you are not consuming all of that then uh, you were better off buying the smaller quantity for a slightly higher price because at least all that money didn't go waste you know for the higher quantity yeah and also certain things like a chips and all that when you end up buying very large packets the temptation is always there to finish the whole thing because uh, let's be honest they, those things are designed in such a way to get you addicted and make you eat non stop so the way the salty and the fat combination is there and the those correct spices that they use so i think it's just it's not even safe to have that kind of temptation on hand yeah it was the same case with soft drinks i think they were like make it as easily available to the consumer as possible so they had these vending machines and what not and people start to consume way more soft drinks yeah uh, it has it is starting to reduce now but yeah back in at least 70s and the 80s that was the case very true uh, so <laughs> how is um how is the situation now do you still experiment with cooking now uh, how often do you do you cook at home yeah uh, since in the last 18 years i've cooked at least 3 meals a day and i think there's a time when uh, a lot of cooking just becomes a very routine chore and there is no creativity or there is no um, you know art in that it just becomes like you're doing this routine every day right so then i think uh, i just realized that i'm better off uh, to keep my creative juices flowing in the cooking aspect when it comes to my column or my future books etc if i have someone to do my routine cooking so after a lot of thinking over the years i finally uh, employed a cook after 18 years and i'm very relieved to be relieved i'm very relieved to be relieved from the daily cooking uh, uh, chores that you know this kind of the routine sambar rice has which has to be ready by 12 o'clock and on the table etc uh, also when you have like a bigger family and you're catering to different kinds of needs it's not always possible to keep trying out your new stuff on everyone and it's not fair because just the older people are used to a certain you know they just want their regular stuff and while that's not difficult to make but it is a kind of a uh you know it just needs to be done by a certain time and put on the table so i feel it just gives you a lot more freedom to try out other stuff because it becomes quite something to do that regular cooking and then also try out your newer recipes and all that then it becomes too much of cooking so i think uh, it really helps and i don't know if this is a permanent situation but at this point i'm really enjoying not being uh, required to do the very very basic stuff yeah that also means that you you have now gotten a lot more time to focus on other things yeah um, and you mentioned briefly that you have started to learn hindustani music when did when did that happen 
so i i have always learnt music uh, since i was a kid it comes with the tamil upbringing i guess you either learn music or you learn dance and dance was uh, never never in the dance picture dance was not dance was not a part of the thing because you know having a, a family and grandparents who always thought very long term they said dance everybody gives up but music you can sing even when you're 80 <laughs> so looking at the very long term prospects of uh, an art i mean when even when it comes to art they are all very fixed deposit mindset yes, right <laughs> what are the returns and where will you perform how will you go what will you do so at that time i didn't know that i could have told them was vijayanti mala bali still dancing in her 80s so <laughs> that's not a thing but uh, yeah so that's how i think they chose music and um, uh, even before i started learning formally i used to accompany my uh, my youngest aunt uh my mom's youngest sister for her music classes like a file attachment there was no fees paid for me but i would just go and sit with them but uh, it was quite something to know for my family that even without having any attention you know given to me by just being a fly on that wall i had picked up all the songs that she was learning and i was singing like quite good and uh, that's when they realized yeah she has a good ear for music and and it's not easy. easy to just pick up carnatic music right it's not like a film song there are a lot of nuances it's kind of tough for a small kid of like 6 or 7 years old right so i could given the fact that i could just pick up everything easily they said yeah maybe she's good and i actually started attending formal classes at 10 and uh, i did learn for 5 odd years that was carnatic and then uh, you know the rigor of the 10th board exam and all that completely unnecessary if you that's when now. everyone gives up it's it's that <laughs> and focus on studies uh so obviously anyway then after that it's 12th so no point just joining for 11th alone so 11th is like your break here from everything but not if you take science because you have to still continue keeping up the studies etc and then after 12th of course i joined medicine so there's no time to breathe also there's no chance of joining again so when i joined again it was during my internship uh but that time also i used to keep getting posted in different times of the day for the duty and all so again having a proper schedule with a teacher was very difficult so i had to quit that also and uh, it's when i actually moved uh, to here to bangalore in my uh, mid 30s is when uh, here my uh, one teacher was coming to my uh, you know residential complex and three four people were already learning and she's been coming for a while but again after i moved here also i took a very long time to make friends because i was just in my own cocoon kind of new to bangalore and not really interacting much with the people around so uh, nobody knew me and i didn't know too many people here even though we were quite a close knit small community at that time so then when i uh, once for ganesh chaturthi or something i some people said why don't you sing something so i prepared something and i sang and then when your people said oh wow you actually sing well why don't you join this class of us that we are a part of and that's when very like okay i just said let me see what's going on and because i had picked up hindustani for a year during my internship etc i i, I always knew if i want to get back to learning music i want to learn hindustani and not carnatic just a personal preference and uh, so since she was teaching hindustani i said okay i'll come and then it's been 5 years or something since then and during the pandemic uh, 
national award winning uh, vocalist shri mahesh kale ji he started some online workshops which i just signed up for and then it was like a one off workshop and i really enjoyed that and after that he also decided to start taking online classes for which there was one very long laborious application process you had to submit a long uh, clip of a rag i mean the whole rag sang etc i just i didn't have any hopes of getting in i just sent it and i got selected so then i said okay maybe this is a sign and i should uh, be more serious about this and focus more on practicing regularly because i think after a point in classical music you understand the concepts but unless you practice it's uh, you know that that concept can never be executed or put into like it can't be showcased so i think uh, just all these things happening uh and uh, you know just drew me closer to the art form and also i feel it's a very spiritual uh, journey i'm not i'm not a i'm a spiritual person but i'm not a religious person i don't believe in going to temples and doing like you know mass prayers and chanting stuff and all that but what is when, what huh? is the difference between being religious and spiritual i think religious is more to do with rituals this is just my very my oh, okay. understanding what like you know doing something uh, doing your prayers or uh, you know lighting the lamp and you know going to a temple on a certain day and all those things uh but you know for different people uh, your spiritual uh, bone uh, gets appeased by different things right because some people they like doing this and they should do this because it brings them happiness and a sense of calm uh but for me when i'm practicing my music i feel like i can't touch my phone then my mind can't wander anywhere because i have to focus on the 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 the, the, the tanpura the tabla that i'm focusing on the right notes of the rag uh there are so many conditions to be wary of that you can't if you're thinking here there your mind is wandering you will miss the beat and you know you will not be able to sing the way you have to sing so i think this is the deepest form of meditation and spirituality for me and i think because i don't indulge in any other form of uh, you know nurturing the spirituality uh, this is like a meditation but also a meditation that gives very tangible returns <laughs> that you do realize that you are getting better and uh, it's of course meditation has tremendous returns but it it's all very uh, intangible right but here you can actually when you hear your own recording after a few months after a few months and you realize you're getting better so that's like an incentive to keep practicing and uh, also when you're not doing this with a goal like i have no goal that i'm going to perform on stage or uh you know i'm going to become a musician or i'm going to make money out of it so for me this is just an eternal journey with no destination and i think that brings a sense of uh, it's a very different feeling because almost everything we do in life is that oh i need to reach that goal oh i'm going to make money out of it or i'm going to add this degree to my name but in this there is no such thing it's just a very unconditional love you know it's like a love between a mother and child where there is no goal it's always there and uh, it brings you tremendous joy growing up did you get to go to a lot of carnatic concerts the reason why i'm asking is a lot of south indians uh, even though carnatic music 
sort of originated in south india they love hindustani music because it's more slow and there is more exploration of ragas is that something that got you attracted to hindustani music uh, not really i didn't attend uh, we were living in bombay and uh, my family although they would like to listen to music at home they were not really the outgoing concert going types and uh, also maybe a few which were closer by in shanmukhananda or something like that but uh, i don't remember or you know if some musicians came to our nearby temple or something we would go but you know like just just going there for the heck of going i don't think we did that so i didn't have that kind of exposure uh, my exposure was only through my own learning of music and i also feel like you know as a child if you're forced to learn a certain thing as an adult you always want to choose the opposite uh, because you were deprived of choosing that as a kid so i feel my being in love with hindustani is also because i was pushed to learn carnatic as a kid and um, i don't know it just appeals to my ear better you know it feels uh, it, i just like it better i don't i don't think i can pinpoint a reason for that but i do love some carnatic uh, musician concerts to attend even today and uh, all music is music like today at 6 am i was listening to rap because my son had some new favorites and before he leaves for school uh, he sleeps for school very early in the morning so morning he listens to a few songs and then he tells me that hey this is my current favorite and all that and while i would shudder to even imagine that i'll be listening to this kind of uh, rap music first thing in the morning but ultimately i see it as music so when my son shares with me i just listen because i know that i one i would love to know what he's listening to so the fact that a teenage kid shares with you what they're listening to i would always encourage that so that he continues to do it and uh, ultimately it's uh, notes it's beats it's uh, rhythm and uh, it's uh, you know in case of rap it's uh, some message and i think it's just that uh, i don't really differentiate between different kinds of i can listen to anything and uh, derive something out of it what is your second best or second most favorite genre of music uh, outside of maybe indian classical or indian sufi Let, let's club all of them together you know ghazals and all of that i think everything uh, everything comes that in like i said i listen to everything you have like 100 different playlists on my spotify and uh, but something that's very calming for me is the old uh, bollywood music because i think it's very childhood nostalgia for me that's the kind of music that would often play at home either in cassettes or in radio etc so like the 50s 60s kind of bollywood so i have a playlist on spotify called bollywood vintage and uh, i think that's my comfort listening but as i said i don't like to stay in my comfort zone when i'm listening to music so there's a lot of jazz uh, you know this uh, the series called bosch uh, where he's this police man and he uh, police the series called bosch where he's a police guy and he comes home and his house in la is uh, on top of a hill so the night lights are just like the entire place below is lit up with lights and he sits on his open deck area and he just comes home and he plays a jazz track to unwind so those uh, and each of those tracks was so beautiful that there are already i thought okay i should make a playlist of all these tracks and it's five seasons so it's not easy but 
definitely i'm not the first one to think like this so there were people who have already made entire playlists of 6 to 7 hours long of harry bosch uh, playlists of jazz so that's my other go to uh, listening when i just want something to play in the background i always choose that um but i love live concerts uh, attending uh, live concerts i think they are a different kind of energy and uh, i don't really see what genre this is i know as long as it will remotely appeal to me i will go because just being able to experience a music live as it's being created is like a different experience altogether yeah the reason why i asked this was you know i think food and music both have some sort of a similarity where the food that you grew up it, it we are all so resistant to change right um, yeah. you go to a different country and and let's say japanese cuisine it's 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 hard to start loving it from day one yeah um, so uh, how ha- how does one sort of wire themselves to um, like another genre it's a just you know listen to it a lot of times and acquire a taste yeah i think the first step is always to have an open mind be it with food be it with music or any other experiences in life right because if we continue to have the same experience that's in our comfort zone and that we've experienced all through our life then you're never going to get something new in your life uh you're just going to be stuck with that and i think our my grandparents generation was somewhere in that zone because you know eating the same kind of food listening to the same kind of music uh, also one because they lacked exposure and they lacked the means in those days you needed a lot of money and privilege to be able to explore things outside your comfort zone but in today's times it's so much easier one the internet has just made things open like it has democratized uh, things to an extent where you can even if you don't have the ingredients you can sit and learn a to z about japanese cuisine just through youtube right as long as you have a phone and a internet connection um you can listen to any kind of music you want in the world you can even you know virtually travel to any place you want in the world so you even though you're not physically present to experience that you can still experience these things sitting at home so i think having an open mind and not and especially in uh, indian food not saying that you know this has to be consumed with that and you know simple things and even our generation why blame our grandparents generation when i once posted a picture of a dosa with rajma because hey, i had already soaked rajma and i had dosa batter at home so i'm combining a carb with a protein and i'm happy about it and it tastes fine but then there were people who are both the south indians and north indians were outraging on how dare you make this combination i think it starts with a simple thing like that right forget indian cuisine i'm just combining cuisine from two different parts of india and people are thinking that's wrong so i think you first need to stop that have stop that attitude and embrace things which you don't think are normal but it doesn't mean just because you think something is the best thing to do or the right thing to do that is what everybody should do so right so this is just being open minded is the first step and then i don't think you need to listen to something hundreds of times to learn to appreciate it i think you can learn that on the go like jazz is so complex i think it's as complex or even more than our classical indian classical music but you just be in the moment and enjoy the experience of the sound that it's creating i don't think you need to know jazz to appreciate jazz so i feel uh, just having an open mind and telling yourself that hey i'm going to appreciate this 
and eventually i will love it more but at this point i can at least appreciate this particular experience in this moment yeah i think exposure what you said is absolutely right uh, in the 80s and 90s maybe you know if you wanted to taste pasta you have to go to like a five star hotel but now um, it's it's so uh, it's so widespread i mean ev- every city also yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's i mean and uh, i think the very first time i had i had pizza was probably when i was like 15 16 so well um everyone everyone knows you as a food blogger and and a musician um, and listeners would love to know what are your other passions and hobbies so i have too many which is why i wrote that book called this handmade life uh, i like to keep doing something creating stuff with my hands and uh, i'm incredibly tough on myself if i'm just sitting around and lazing around so it's just something i think my grandparents voices and my growing up years have had that conditioning on me that just doing nothing or you know like the kids these days say i'm just chilling that's just not in my dictionary and i i would hate uh, to do that even for a moment so i'm always doing stuff learning new things so i learned uh, like 8 9 years ago i went for a soap making workshop and that's because i have a kitchen gardening uh, i have a kitchen garden set up at home and sometimes you know there's a lot of one kind of herb growing and i can't possibly use it you know in food so then i thought why not i try using these flowers and herbs and all in soaps so i ended up learning that and uh, you know i started making so many soaps at home and i was not selling them so there's only so much you can use and keep gifting others and do stuff like that so that's one thing then i got into sardo making because i like the taste of that bread and i said how difficult can this be so uh, you know getting into that then i have sometimes i have a crochet phase where i'm just doing some stuff on that but i think uh, it also uh, these are the activities also in a time like covid i felt like these are what kept me sane because i tend to get hyper anxious uh, you know sometimes about you know catching uh, like i i did get hyper anxious about catching covid or some my loved ones catching covid etc but i think doing things with my hands and keeping uh, you know uh, being in tune with my hobbies and creative activities really helped ma- calm me down and uh, gave me a sense of uh, being in control and that hey things are not so bad and you can focus on this moment and do things with your hands and create stuff which gives a great sense of fulfillment and calming so i've always had a lot of these hobbies uh, of creating stuff so i think in our current times people are consuming a lot be it watching youtube watching uh, some you know instagram reels we're always watching stuff we're listening to podcasts but what are you doing you know i think that's a question that we all need to ask what are you creating because consuming is very passive you don't have to do anything to consume something but creating is active and creating something is you know a life and you so, learn so much in that process right you learn so much you make mistakes you learn to be patient and you learn to appreciate that every little step you've gotten better and i think uh, 
people who create are my favorite kinds of people that could be just any kind of creation but i value that so much and i think i always nag my son about it that you have to create you can't just keep consuming stuff that other people have created you know it's good that always people say that someone has to be the audience na be the audience but don't always be the audience you know yeah i think um, one of the famous youtubers and podcasters in india raj shamani Uh, has this post on his instagram where it says uh, eventually everyone will be a creator uh, either by choice or by force so yeah yeah the creator term content creator term has kind of you know exploded exploded it? and it's kind of uh, become like done to death but i don't really mean when creating means to do something and put it on the internet you can just be a creator for yourself and to make your days and your time more fulfilling and you yourself feeling much better you don't need to post it online to have some kind of validation and then feel yeah now i am a creator you know right yeah well nandita thank you so much for your time uh, it was great great talking to you i hope you keep on creating learning new things and sharing it with the world um, we all love what you do uh, on instagram with related to food and music um, and everything so thank you so much nandita for your time thanks bala i had a great time chatting with you that was the end of my conversation with dr nandita ayer hope you guys enjoyed it i will be back with another guest next time till then peace